Everybody and welcome back tonight to another episode of the Third Banner Pod. I am your host tonight, Kyle, and I am joined by Connor and Patrick, and we have a lot to break down tonight. Obviously, Louisville football got their new schedule today. We will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we are going to break down some coaching candidates. I think we're finally to that point where we've talked about basketball the games and it just seems to be like the same thing. And I think a lot of people are just looking for new content to discuss. And I think it's time. I think it's time that we start talking about the future. It, it's just, it's more pleasant conversation to say the least. So how you guys been? I'm all right. It's been a, it's been, it's been a long two and a half weeks. <laughs> it has been a long two and a half weeks, and I don't know if you mean in your personal life, but I mean as a Louisville fan, it definitely has. Oh, that, and that too, but it's been a long two and a half weeks. Yeah. So, Pat, yeah. what about you? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk coaches tonight. Um, Me too. Look at, look at what we uh, may have on tap for next year, you know. At, we, we can we can hash on on – the games, you know, like we always do, but I feel like we're starting to repeat ourselves. So it'd be nice to have some fresh stuff to talk about and also some stuff that might be more positive than negative. Yeah. And that's the thing. We don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. I feel like when we watched the Duke game, for example, we saw a lot of the same issues. I mean, we did bring the energy. It was great. Uh, We still had trouble communicating on the pick and roll, switching, on screens, Duke did a phenomenal job of whenever a guy would cut and they would be penetrating the lane, they'd have a cutter coming in. And if you if you uh, contested the cutter, they had a guy that would that would drop behind him, behind the three-point line. They'd throw it over the cutter's head, the defender's head. That guy would be wide open for a three nine times out of ten. It was beautiful play design. We didn't really adjust to that. And then towards the end of the game, when they started missing shots – they decided, hey, we're going to take it inside, and there was just no stopping them. Now, it was kind of mutual. We didn't really stop. We obviously, we obviously didn't stop them, but they didn't really stop us very well either. I think our biggest strategy is to set a pick towards the top of the key and then just blow by people, get to the lane, and try to draw a foul. And it actually did work last night, but you still have to stop them. So that's all I have to say about the Duke game. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts beyond that. Other than Brandon Huntley Hatfield had another good game. Sky Clark played well on the offensive end. He made some tough shots. And uh, Tyler Johnson is a stud at point guard, at least on the offensive end. Still foul prone, still got to work on his defense, just like most of them. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add. I think, uh, like you said, Brandon played really well. You know, just the observation of somebody that hasn't watched Duke a lot this year, man, Filipowski is like the big, I would love to have on my team. He can shoot it. He can, uh, he can really pass the ball. I mean, like you were kind of describing, it'd be, it'd be a pick. They'd run something either where he rolled popped 
if he popped, he'd get himself about to the free throw line. And if anybody collapsed, he found the open shooter. Um, yep. And it, it kind of reminded me of like a taller David Paget from back in the day. So I was impressed with him, but I was also impressed with, you know, he, he, was had a good game passing, but he didn't do a ton down on the post. And I think some of that was due to uh, Brandon playing decent posty. Um, yeah, but other than that, I mean, Duke looks like a solid team. I'm not sure they're a Final Four team. And again, losing at home by 15 to any team is just not something I want to see. So, for sure. I mean, sure. I, I got home and I think I watched like the last like 16 minutes of it. So I know we were down 18. That's all I heard from Paul and Bob on my way home was, oh, they came back. They were down 18 and now it's a six point game. I'm like, I mean, cool. Fine. They didn't give up. But like that, that's not that's not the point that we're at this at, at this point. Like. If this was last year, we were down 18, came back, and it was a six-point game, I, like, I'd feel better about it. They didn't quit. Cool. Well, it depends but, on when you define year one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. That being said, Desmond, welcome in, man. We appreciate you always listening. Ty Spalding's in the house. Ty, I would have never guessed until talking to him earlier today that he's a he's a Cronenite. He, he is boning for Cronin. I would never guess that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ray Lott in the house. Hey, Ray got engaged this weekend. Congratulations, Congrats. Ray, on your engagement. By the way, guys, my voice is still still bad. It's better than it was last week, but we'll see how long it'll last, hopefully for a while. <laughs> Pause. Uh, Nick, Nick Sorrell. <laughs> Nick, welcome in, man. He finally made on time. Man, he must really wanted to hear about some Mick Cronin like Ty in here. Couch House, Larry. All right. Well, guys, you know, we we do, you know, we've, we all know what, what the writing is on the wall here. And I have tried. I have tried not to. We've talked about a little bit, just, you know, briefly touched on, you know, coaching candidates. But I can't do this anymore, just tiptoeing around. I can't do it. I just can't. Like, the content, it's just not fun talking about Louisville basketball right now. And if a coaching search does anything, it gives you hope. You may not get the candidate that you want hired, but the process itself is is just fun. Like I was talking to a couple of IU buddies that came over to my house there night to eat dinner, and they were saying the most fun they've had as an IU fan over the last twenty something years are coaching searches because they've struggled, they've had their struggles, but it's always fun to talk about who the next coach is going to be. And I think we all know that it looks very likely that. You know, Coach Payne's not going to be back with us next year as the head coach. So, that being said, we did make a slideshow of six candidates. Now, I've already gotten some people on Twitter or on X, whatever you want to call it, that have been asking, they're like, why these six? Why did you limit it to these six? Well, two reasons. Reason number one, I don't think any information at all is coming out of our university and our athletic department. They put the clamps down on it. They just want to get through the season. They want to, they want to get through the season with Coach Payne, support the players, support the coaches. And I have no doubt they're probably in contact behind the scenes, but they don't want any of that stuff getting out. So 
I have to look outside of those kind of places. So I look at a national guy if they have any information. And I am in Trilly Donovan's Discord. And Trilly's a very good source. He's connected to the agent world. He's connected to coaches. I am in his Discord, which, by the way, is the burner. I recommend it for anybody that, you know, can spend $6 a month, would like that kind of information. He actually he responds to every question anyone asks him on there. And I actually sent him a list. I sent him four names. I sent him Dusty May, Jerome Tang, Eric Musselman, and Mick Cronin. I said, is there anybody I need to take off this list? Is there anybody I need to add? And that's when he told me, he said, Chris Beard and Will Wade, add them and talk about them briefly. Now, he didn't make it sound like it was like a super serious thing, just that they are potential candidates. So I don't want to misquote him, and I also don't want to give away any more information, you know, because it's his site. But I did ask a question specifically, and I told him it would be for this pod. So that being said, that is why you got the six candidates you have. Doesn't mean a guy can't come up, and then we'll add him to the slides like next week, for example, if a, or a two weeks from now. I mean, we have a we have a half season left almost. Names are going to come, and names are going to go. Some people will withdraw their name from interest altogether and say they're happy at their school. Other people, you'll hear that they are interested. And you may have new names surface. Uh, I know somebody's going to ask me about Shaka Smart. It's my understanding Shaka Smart is very happy at Marquette. So I did not include him. Love Shaka Smart. Wish we could get Shaka Smart. And I hope I'm wrong about that. But it is my understanding he's happy at, at Marquette. I didn't include him. I know there's a big push for Scott Drew. I do not see that happening. It's almost like up there in the Jay Wright tier of, you know, dreaming so it's just one of those things where i don't think we're gonna get scott drew but if hey if we can pull that off i am all for scott drew i, I can join the drew crew i've got hashtag rhymes all day by the way so without further ado i do want to kind of get into this uh these slides i'm gonna pull them up right here and uh let's see oh my banners are messed up i'll tell you what i'm gonna pull these banners off and see if that does anything Okay, that take, take, take the chat off for a minute. Yeah, too. I didn't mean to hit that chat. All right. So that being said, we're going to start with Mick Cronin. We are going to start with Mick Cronin, everybody's favorite, right? The most controversial figure. Seems like people either love him or they don't. So let's just go over his coaching tree. His coaching tree is impressive, guys. Bob Huggins for, I believe, five years. And Rick Patino. We know he was under Patino for three years as an assistant here at Louisville. Or maybe it was two. I don't remember, but he was here, obviously. His overall head coaching record, 472 and 217 for a .685, 68.5% of his games that he's won. He is 107 and 46 at UCLA, currently 8 and 10 this season. Tournament success, which is a big factor for a lot of people. Made the tournament in 14 out of 21 seasons, which doesn't sound that great until you realize he's made it the last 12 years. He has made one Final Four and two Sweet 16s in the last three seasons at UCLA. That's impressive. Anyway, you slice it. Um, some additional information I have. He has seven freshmen and only one returning starter from last year's team. Uh, he does employ multiple defenses. He's known as a defensive coach, tight man-to-man -man defense. He will apply full-court pressure in specific situations 
but it's not like old school Rick Pitino where he full court pressed all the time. Uh, I And I'm going to let you guys kind of give your opinions. I'm just reading what I wrote. His pros, a lot of experience, and he's still only 52 years old. He's made it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament or better three years in a row. Defensive mind and philosophy, and he's very familiar with the program. He is obviously uber competitive. I don't think you would have to worry about Mick Cronin being a guy who like, is okay losing. Which, Asking if this is actually year one or year two. <laughs> no, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that, which I'm going to get in the, when I give my opinion on all of it, why that's a blessing and a curse. But anyway, weaknesses. His teams often struggle on offense. Now, I exclude the years at UCLA when Michael Lewis was there, who is now the head coach at Ball State. His offense got a lot better, but Michael Lewis is known as a good offensive coach. And one thing about the offenses under Mick, his best players were guys that were, were uh, Steve Offer holdovers. So that is something to consider because they're not there anymore. And you see what he's replaced them with. That's kind of a concern, but I'll get into that a little bit more later. He is sometimes overly critical of players to the media. And I don't just mean like it in a soft way. I mean, he, he's, he's pretty daggone hard on people in the media. And in today's NIL transfer portal era, it just – doesn't jive very well, in my opinion, but I'll get into that more later. And finally, the big elephant in the room is he currently has a $20 million buyout as of today. It does drop $16 million on April 1st, but that is a lot of money. And are you going to wait till April 1st in the middle of the transfer portal when you can get them earlier than that? And I've heard about the loopholes. I've heard about the loopholes. And I'd have to see it to believe it because the whole thing about switching conferences means that he no longer is bound by that contract. There are a ton of coaches that, in my opinion, would have taken advantage of that and a ton of programs that would have taken advantage of that with all the movement we've seen in conference realignment. I've never once heard of a, of a contract, a buyout being waived or negated due to switching conferences, but Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, that being said, guys, I want to get your all thoughts on Mick Cronin. I'll start with you, Pat. Yeah, I mean, Mick is kind of uh, – he's that guy where – if you remember the last time we had a coaching search, Mick's name came up and everybody – not everybody, but a lot of people were like, ah, we don't want Mick Cronin, we don't want Mick Cronin. And this was before he had, you know, another couple good years at UCLA. Um, and then, you know, earlier this year when, you know, KP's coming off a bad season, people are kind of projecting that we might have another bad year this year. And Mick Cronin's name was hot. A lot of people said, man, we should have hired him last time. We, you know, we, we if we can get him, we got to go get him. Um, and now he's eight and 10 and you kind of got people going back to, I don't know about Mick Cronin. My thoughts are, you know, listen, you can't look at one season mm -hmm. to determine who's going to be your head coach. Now it's going to be on the top of your mind and how he handles this season. And if there's some improvement, like you said, there's seven freshmen, only one returning starter. They look to have started to improve a little bit. They, you know, lost the game to Arizona. I think they should have won. And 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 honestly, if, if the referees were doing their job, they would have won. Um, and they've started to play better. 
So I think, you know, if you're looking at this year, you've got to concentrate on is the team getting better? Those are the good coaches make their teams better. Even in down years, by the end of the year, their teams are better. So I think we, we got to look at that the rest of the way. And also how he handles this, which is kind of my, my, my only big time negative against Mick. And you kind of hit on it is I don't think he's handled this season well so far. There's been a lot of throwing players under the bus, getting in back and forth with the media. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's not going to play well here after our past four or five years. Um, but in terms of, you know, his success, I think he, you know, he's proven, you know, 12 straight tournaments, you know, going deep in the tournaments lately. Um you know, the pressure at a school like UCLA probably isn't the pressure you'd see here anymore, but it's still a big P5 job. So, you know, he's done well there. I, you know, from a a visual standpoint of watching his teams play, um, it's not the most exciting basketball. It's, it's similar. I don't want to say it's similar to Patino. Patino's basketball was more exciting but his offenses are, are similar to patino's where there's you know a, a lot of uh motion um the pace like the weave yeah the weave the, yeah. The, the, the pace isn't extremely uh fast other than you know when you get a fast break mm-hmm. um i mick's probably not at the top of my list anymore but I, i'm not one of these people that would be so pissed if we hired Mick Crump. Connor? So, I was I was actually talking to some people yesterday. I figured out part of his issue this year, other than the freshman issue, which if you look at other schools, they have freshmen and they're doing just fine. I think we know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, All of his freshmen, I think, are international. That, yeah, that's and true. that's because he doesn't have any NIL money. So he can't get the guys out of the portal that he wants because he has no NIL money. He takes all of the internationals because they don't have to pay them NIL money because it's illegal for them to make money on their F1 visa in the States. So that's part of the issue. Um, and they're not only having to get accustomed to life in the u.s get accustomed to college life get accustomed to college basketball in the u.s they're also having to learn a whole new like when when i say this it's not going to make sense but they're gonna they're having to learn a whole new basketball game compared to what they played overseas so the learning curve for them is is bigger than what it would be for normal freshmen. So I think that is the big reason they're eight and 10. And then if, if we don't have the money to buy out Kenny $8 million, do we have the money to buy out Kenny and Mick at 28 before April 1st, or even at 24 after April 1st? I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, thank you all. I'm going to get in the 
to kind of what how I feel about it with starting. I'm going to start with the pros and what the other side, like, okay, I, I got some guys on here watching right now and girls maybe that are big Cronin fans. They are boning for Cronin right now. And I love and appreciate all of you. I do. Uh, bring Brom home, guy. I know you're watching. I think I know who you are, man. And I, if you're who I think you are, I really respect you. I respect the work you've done. I am not going to tell anybody who I think it is. And maybe by a very small chance I'm wrong. But I know if it's who I think it is, he's a very passionate fan. He cares a lot about the University of Louisville. And he it, it actually makes a whole lot of sense that a guy like that would have the time and the energy to do what he does. So I respect it. I respect the bone for Cronin. I respect the Mick is the fit. Uh, and I understand why, you know, he's a former Patino guy. He's familiar with the program. He does have a history of success. He does have 12 straight tournaments. And he finally has overcome, somewhat at least, that bugaboo he had at Cincinnati where he couldn't get out of the first weekend. All of those things are very true. He does coach really good defense. That's also true. But here's what I grade who I hope our next coach is on. There's, there's four main criteria. A history of winning, including tournament success. Addicted to the game of basketball. You cannot be the head coach at, at Louisville without being addicted to the game to the point it's almost unhealthy, like Rick Patino was. Now, we know Chris Mack kind of like he lived the dad life, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think Louisville basketball was too big of a stage for him. Coach Payne, we kind we don't have to talk about it. We kind of know <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work, man. So that being said, Mick Cronin has a history of winning. He has some tournament success. He is addicted to the game of basketball. I have no doubt. But there's two more criteria. You have to embrace the limelight, and you have to be a cultural fit to the program. And I see somebody say that Mac owns Mick. Well, Cal owned Patino, but I would never take John Calperi over Rick Patino. Tony yeah. Bennett owned Patino. Jim Bay, well, no, Jim Bayheim was owned by Patino. There's guys that own Patino, but I would never take them over Rick. I don't ever like to do a head-to-head. -head. Some people no. just own various teams. Anyway. Those last two, embracing the limelight and cultural fit for the program, I really worry about that with Mick Cronin. He does not embrace the limelight. He doesn't. I actually, and I'm basing all of my skepticism off of like hours of looking at old Mick interviews, looking at how Cincinnati fans felt about him, how UCLA fans feel about him. Mick Cronin does not like being questioned by anybody. He blames the officials every time he loses, every single time. Every interview I could find where he lost a game, it was his players are stupid. They don't have the aptitude to win. You can't call your mommy. She can't help you. That was a quote he said about his players when they turned the ball over. He said, well, you can't call your mommy. She can't help you. Uh, he, he said, my players don't have the aptitude, and you're not able to learn if you don't have it. And you're incapable of it. And I'm like, that's your players. He complained to the media about his NIL, which Connor's right. His NIL is a problem at UCLA. But you don't throw your current players under the bus publicly. They still have to play the game for you, man. Uh, Cincinnati fans, 
everything I've seen on their message boards about Mick Cronin, on Reddit about Mick Cronin, on YouTube videos where they would comment was some people couldn't stand the guy. Other people appreciated what he did, but they felt like it was time for him to move on. And what Mick Cronin did at Cincinnati, by the way, he did an incredible job. They were in right. a hellacious place when he took over. And that's also why it took him three or four years to make his first tournament because they were in a mess of a situation. He lifted them out of the grave. But the problem with Mick Cronin, when I watch Mick Cronin's interviews, when I see the way he talks about his players, he's he's a 1990s coach. His ideology is, is waning, and I'm afraid he's not going to adjust to the times. And it's gotten him by so far. But you see what happens when he faces some adversity. It gets worse. And he needs to get better at that. Like, that's something that goes back. I actually was like, why did I not like Mick Cronin when he, the first time this came up? And I couldn't remember just how much I disliked his antics at Cincinnati until this year when he started doing them again and even worse. Like, players, how are you going to recruit guys when your philosophy is to just run them into the ground, which I get the old-school boomer mentality of a Bobby Knight is like, hey, let, let's, let, you know, you you tear them down to build them up. That's this not the military. <laughs> it's not the military anymore. The world's changed. I, I'm former military. I can be too hard at times. And I'm saying, I'm saying it's not going to work. Recruits, like your, your, your most valuable recruits, they're not going to put up with that shit. They're not. And then with the, transfer portal, <laughs> with the transfer portal, now they can get out. When the going gets tough, and I get it, when the going gets tough, you shouldn't quit. You should tough it out. You should take constructive criticism. I don't disagree with any of that. The players will overall. This generation will. So you can say they're soft. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you still need them, and you need the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think my problem with Mick, and I mean, like I said, this is a bunch of videos, a bunch of feedback from former fan, from fans at his current and former schools. It's not very good, guys. And when he comes to Louisville, you know it's the spotlight doesn't get bigger. UCLA is a big – is a blue blood program, but they're a professional town. They're Hollywood area. You know, UCLA basketball is on the back burner. They're he watching LeBron, not, man. He will, he will have a nervous breakdown as a Louisville basketball head coach because the microscope, the fishbowl mentality is much more than what it was at either of his previous three programs going all the way back to Murray State, obviously, then Cincinnati, then UCLA. So my final conclusion, Mick Cronin is a great coach whose philosophy is becoming more outdated with each passing day. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I won't talk too much more, but I'm sorry Mick, for all you Cronin fans. No hard feelings. I totally get it. Yeah. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. Mick is one of those guys when the, when the, when it's going good, it, it's going good. But when there's, some adversity is when stuff can spiral. And, and, you know, we, as you said, you want a coach who doesn't, who hates to lose. I mean, you saw Bettino the other night. He said he wanted to go 
throw himself in the cold or off the bridge or whatever he said. Yep. You you want a coach that hates to lose, but with that, you want somebody who's going to take accountability when they do lose. And I think you're right. We You, you don't see a ton of accountability with Mick. And, and, and we're going through that this year on, on a, in a different kind of way. Um, and, and I can't well, imagine the fan base when there, when yeah. there's a little adversity with Mick would, be, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a point I wanted to make. So here's the spectrum of com- being competitive. Kenny Payne is on this side over here, which is his goal is is to love up on the kids and and to help them learn and grow. And it's not about wins and losses. It's about you know getting better every day. We don't want to measure it with concrete goals. That's not good. You know, you can smile and laugh after a loss. And that's that's not the answer. We know that. But there is an equally opposite extreme that is, or there's an opposite extreme that is equally harmful, which is where you hate losing so much that you can't control your temper and you kind of, you, you react kind of like a child and you stomp and you pout and you throw people under the bus. I'm going to be honest, man. Mick Cronin kind of reminds me of like he's pouting in the press conferences. He will cut off reporters and answer questions they weren't going to ask. And he does it all the time. He just comes across as a jerk when he loses. And that's not going to fly in Louisville. It's not. It's not going to fly. So if he wants to be the next coach, he's going to have to change. He is. And I know that that, that's going to upset some people. I'm just – I threw out a lot of warning signs with Kenny Payne before he was hired. Unfortunately, we stumbled on every single one of them. You have to adjust and adapt to your culture and your program. He's going to be under a microscope here. He is. You don't want to be too far the other way. You want to be closer – I will say this. You want to be closer to Mick Cronin on the spectrum of competitiveness than you do Kenny Payne. Well, duh. <laughs> well, no, because they're to me they're you know, equal extremes, or they have equal results when they're too extreme. But you want to toe the line closer to Mick, I think, which is where you get a Rick Patino type. You yeah. know, Rick's not gonna. Rick can kind of pout and cut people off, and we've seen it, but not not to the extent of what we're seeing out of Mick. Not only this year, but but throughout his past, it just it, it will create a toxic environment recruiting will be a challenge here doesn't matter how much nil you have if players don't like you or they'll come for one year and then they'll leave and go somewhere else you have to build kids up man doesn't mean you don't tear them down behind the scenes some doesn't mean you don't work them hard doesn't mean you don't tell them what they need to work on you don't coddle them but you can't run them into the ground like you could in the 90s yeah that's an old guard mentality Uh, i don't do you guys have any final thoughts before I go to the next one? I don't want to get too we're, we're, we're 30 minutes in, but I yeah. think it would be the longest one. The, 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 the only thing I'll say that I, I do like about Cronin that hasn't been mentioned is you look at his players and, and he gives the developmental vibe of a Rick Patino. His players constantly get better from year to year. I mean, you look at uh Jack Hez that plays for Miami now. I mean, from his yeah. freshman to his senior year, constantly getting better. 
Johnny Juzang came over from Kentucky and got better. Tiger Campbell constantly got better. So I do think if he gets his kind of players that can, you know, stand being called out in the media, um, he, he, he does make them better. Um, and, and it seems to be a, a, a linear development, which I kind of like in a coach. Uh, Bill Henderson, he does remind he's, – he's not as successful as a coach as Bobby Knight, and he's not quite as extreme. There's no chair throwing. There's no slamming his mic down and cursing to walk out in the middle of an interview. But I'll tell you not what, he's a, lot closer to, <laughs> he's a lot closer to Bobby Knight than anybody else I've seen in a long time, and it just doesn't work anymore, in my opinion. Now, I know some people disagree. I still love y'all. So let's move on to the next one. The must bus Eric Musselman. Now, this, first off, he's got such a wild, erratic resume that it actually cut off the weaknesses at the bottom. So apologies. I tried to shrink it, but then he couldn't read it. He couldn't see it. And I couldn't see it right now to read it. So uh, Eric Musselman's coaching tree, Bill Musselman, his father, was the primary coach that he was an assistant under. And he's a lot like Bill Musselman. I've done a lot of Eric Musselman research for six years now or seven years or whenever Chris Mack took the job. I was okay with Chris Mack, but I really wanted Eric Musselman. I'll, I'll admit that right up, right up front. Then he got to Arkansas and I kept watching him, kept following him. Um, so I've read all these stories about his personal life, his upbringing and you know, Bill Musselman was his primary coach. Mike Fratello, the Grizzlies head coach in the NBA, was another famous assist or famous head coach that uh, he tutored under. Let's just get into his overall record because it is all over the place. <laughs> just like Muss. 215 and 84 in, in, in the NCAA. That's eight and a half years of college basketball now. That is a 71.9% winning percentage. Very high winning percentage. 108 and 138 in the NBA, 270 and 222 in the CBA, which used to be like the NBDL, 53 and 3 in the USBL, so the United States Basketball League, 77 and 30 when he was a D League head coach. And then this year at Arkansas, he is currently 10 and 8. Before this year, he had eight straight 20 plus win seasons. That includes at Nevada, who was not good. He rose them from the grave. Arkansas had been dead for, what, 20 years? He immediately comes in there, makes an impact. Some additional info, he was the NBA head coach for the Golden State Warriors from 2002-2004 and the Sacramento Kings from 2006-2007. So his strengths, his pros, in my opinion, he has NBA experience. He's able to recruit guys and get them to the NBA. He's got, he's got quite a few successful players right now in the league. Uh, great recruiter. I talked about his 20-plus wins and eight-plus seasons. He made a sweet 16 at Nevada. That's very impressive. And in four years at Arkansas, not counting this year, he has two Elite Eights and a sweet 16 and a COVID year where the tournament never happened. So out of the three eligible years, the worst he did was make a sweet 16. He is charismatic and energetic. He handles high-pressure situations well. He doesn't, he does not shy away from the limelight. He has an entertaining style of play and he is a basketball obsessed junkie. 
if you read anything about Eric Musselman, it it it, it makes me like wonder. His dad was the same way. Like I said, his father died young, and I believe a big reason why his father died young was because he was so fixated and obsessed with the game. He was ty- a tireless, tireless worker. I think Mus has a lot of that in him. Let's just hope, you know, his health is better. And, you know, let's get to some of the weaknesses. They are not listed because I couldn't fit him in, like I said, due to his lengthy resume. Uh, his age is 60, which is which is a weakness. But I will say if there's a 60-year-old that's in damn good shape, kind of like Rick Patino was, it's Eric Musselman. He's in great shape. So he is 60 years old. He is struggling this year. You know, they're 10 and 8. They haven't looked well at all. They look a bit disjointed. He does rely heavily on a portal, which is a blessing if you have a complimentary roster. But I think this year he recruited a lot of guards and not enough big men. It's kind of like the opposite of problem that we had last year, which is where we recruited a bunch of big men and wings and not enough guards. And you could argue we even still a little bit this year have that problem. He's like the inverse of that this year. Uh, I will say that he adjusts his style of play to his roster, which I find very impressive. He's had fast-paced, up-tempo teams who trap and pressure on defense, and then he's had strictly man-to-man defenses and slower-paced teams who run a bit more of a weave type of offense and a pick-and-roll like what we see this year so far. And he does a really good job. He has a lot of different – things that he brings to the table, wrinkles when it comes to his teams. He will adjust to his roster. He's not rigid, which, again, this year is kind of like he can't find a point guard. L. Ellis is obviously on their team. He's not played too hot. Uh, Keon Minifield has all the potential in the world, but he, he started mid-semester, and he's been hit or miss. He's either been hot or completely cold, and then they don't have a big man. The Brazil has not played as well as they thought. He's a bit too soft. He needs to be down low. He camps out and shoots a lot of threes. Uh, and then the thing about Musselman, the biggest con I have is he is always moving jobs. Arkansas is actually the longest job he's ever had. This is his fifth year. Now, I will counter that con with this. He will be 60 years old, and I think he's going to be done with the NBA. He's done that twice. He's been a head coach, and he's been an assistant coach. He's been a head coach of two different teams. He's been at all levels of professional basketball from the NBA and everything in between. I think he will stick it out in college. So the question becomes at 60 years old, if you take the job at Louisville, how many better jobs are going to open? As long as you get it rolling here, this is a top, you know, if you want to be skeptical, this is a top eight job, but I think when we're rolling, we are a top five job easy. And so Good luck. I mean, you got North Carolina and Duke, which they're pretty rooted right now. And then who, who else? You got Kansas. I mean, Kansas will be making a change at some point. You just yeah. don't have a whole lot of opportunities to jump. And then by the time they open, he'll probably be 65, 66 years old. That's my hope. But that is a con, is that he does tend to move around a lot. There are rumors that he has his, his staff sometimes has a hard time getting along with him because of his – up and down, eccentric, kind of overly obsessive personality. So that is something that kind of – I don't know how true that is, but I've heard that a lot. Uh, what do you guys think about Eric Musselman? Connor, I'll start with you this time. Uh, I'm watching him right now, and he's losing to 
another guy on this list that I really like. Which, um, yeah. Um, they're down six right now. Um, but I, I have a hard time believing that he's going to leave Arkansas with the people that he has backing him right now, NIL West, especially because we don't know what our basketball NIL looks like because uh, we haven't been good since NIL was a thing. <laughs> well, and, and Coach Payne doesn't really use a circle, so he uses yeah. his own separate thing. Exactly. That's, that's my point. So we don't know how good our basketball NIL really is. Well, so that's where Josh Hurd comes in now. He's got to sell it. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, and Mark, I think Mark and, uh, you know, Dan, those guys, they have to sell it. And I think, I think football has proven if you get somebody in here that shows passion and, and has a good strategy and can win, the, the, the NIL money will take care of itself. But him get, being able to get the Martin twins to Nevada and get to the Sweet 16 in Nevada says something. Like, Atlanta five star at Nevada too. I, I can't remember his first name. It was Brown, something Brown. I have no idea. I just know that the Martin twins were on that team. Yeah. Um, like this year's obviously not great. Like you said, he has too. I never thought I'd say this. He has too many guards. Yep. Um, but I, I have a hard time saying no. Oh, like, yeah. If Eric Musselman said, I'll be there tomorrow, I said, okay. <laughs> like, right. But do we know what his buyout is? Isn't it like $1 million? It's only a million. Yeah. $1 million yeah. buyout. I forgot to put that in the pros. I meant to. Sorry, guys. I'm slacking. Shit. If it's only a million dollars, I say that like I have a million dollars. But if it's only a million dollars, like, I, that's the biggest pro to me compared to Mick Cronin is – his buyout is 16 times less what Mick Cronin's will be on April 1st. So um, another thing about the buyout and all that is I've, I've actually heard that he's very interested in the job as far as his agents reaching out, his, his camp. But that could all be, you know, that could be for leverage to get more money in Arkansas. We're yeah. all aware of that. You don't know, but I'm putting them on the list for that reason. If you would have told me two months ago, I wouldn't have believed it until two people I definitely think would definitely know both who are not connected at all. Both told me that this is a possibility and that he is interested. So it could all be bluffing. It could be serious. So Pat, anyway, what do you think about Eric Musselman? I think a quick bathroom break. Hopefully the most attractive thing to me about Eric Musselman is his floor is probably the best of the available candidates. I mean, you know, if Eric Musselman comes in here, one, he's going to be able to turn over the roster because he attacks the portal. Um, two, you know, based off of his past in college basketball, he, he's going to have us back or near the tournament probably in year one, um, which is – Huge, you know, we, we need something to get us excited for. So I'm not sure he has the highest floor. I mean, the highest ceiling, but I, I think he might have the highest floor of the guys that we can get. I think uh, in terms of building excitement, too, for the fan base, um, I, I'm, I, I've said it in the Discord before. I think if you win, the fan base will come back. But in terms of building that 
excitement at the beginning. I think he's got the personality to do it. He'll he'll get people in the yum before proving it, which, you know, again, it, it's important for us to get off on the right start. Um, you know, th- this season concerns me a little bit. Um, but again, as I said with Mick, you can't look at one season. Uh, the transfer portal is going to be a key for us, and, and it's a plus. But the, the one thing that worries me in the portal age with uh, Musselman is I think he needs to figure out how to balance the portal and, and, and continuity on his team a little bit. I think unlike football – where you've got 11 people playing on both sides of the ball and there's a lot of, you know, substituting and stuff. Like in basketball, you have to have a lot more chemistry on the court, um, the way the game's played and, and the fact that there's a lot less players. And I think it's hard to build, you know, chemistry if you're constantly turning over your whole roster. Um so, I, you know, I, I, but I think he's smart enough to find that perfect medium. Um, his guard play is usually fantastic, which excites me. College basketball is about guard play. Um, and he goes out and gets great guards, both, you know, in the high school ranks and through the portal. Um, I hope the one thing he's never really had, maybe one year, um, is, a, is a big-time rim protector. Um, and I think that's another key to going deep in a tournament. So I, I kind of hope, you know, he can figure out a way to mesh that in with his guards, find a, a big-time rim protector. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm not worried about his age at all. Um, you know, the experience in college basketball, you know, coaching in college is a better shape than us. Co- yeah, yeah. <laughs> coaching, <laughs> Coaching in college is, is is a lot different than coaching in the NBA and the pros. Um, and so I think he's still got growth as a coach. It's not like he's peaked yet, you know, which is weird to say about a, a, a near 60-year-old. Yeah, this is, um, his, this is his ninth year as a college head coach. So, right. like, the idea of, like, well, when you hit 60, you just don't have anything else to learn doesn't really apply in Musa's unique situation, in my opinion. Yeah, I am going to kind of push it forward a little bit. We're heading up to 46 minutes. All right, this next one's one that's gained a lot of steam in the last couple of weeks, but not with me and not with Ty Elliott. Tang Gang, Jerome Tang, head coach at Kansas State. He has a very tough road. Six out of his next seven games are against ranked opponents, and I believe four or five of those are on the road. So we're going to – we're going to see what Jerome Tang's made of very, very much right in the here and now. And I think tonight, I think right now he's playing a Iowa State on the road. So TJ Otzelberger, which I know that's a name some people have thrown in there. I think his buyout's too much, and I haven't heard a thing about him coming here. So that being said, Jerome Tang, coaching tree, obviously, is Scott Drew, an assistant at Baylor for 19 years, including associate head coach the last season there. Overall record as a head coach, obviously he's been a head coach in college basketball for a year and a half. So it's 40 and 14. He's currently 14. Still better than Kenny. (laughs) Currently 14 and four. He made an elite eight in his first season, guys. An elite eight in his first season. 
inherited a 14 and 17 roster, flipped the roster for the most part, went and did what he did last year. I mean, that's pretty incredible. He was a high school head coach, additional information, high school head coach at Heritage Christian Academy for 10 years. Uh, this year, it's kind of impressive that he's 14 and four because he lost a player that got dismissed from the team, Nyquan Tomlin. It was probably and his best player. It was his, arguably his best player, and it was definitely his best returning player. And he lost him due to a weird thing where, you know, there was a domestic dispute and it was an accident what happened as far as him getting in a fight at a bar, but he made contact with somebody he shouldn't have. Nobody was really hurt in the process. It looked like he was going to be back on the team. It was one of those things where you suspend him for a little bit, and he was suspended. But right when he was about to come back and play, the president came in and dismissed him from the team, overrode the athletic director and the head coach. So I would not be surprised if Jerome Tang leaves. That's that's damn near unforgivable. I don't know how you can just, you know, unless he makes a huge run without him, I don't see how you can look at that because when I watch Kansas State, they're missing a guy that fills that void. Like they don't have somebody filling the void that Tomlin left. That If they did, they would be incredible right now. And he's had Case Glover, who's a guard, who was an impact guard. He's, he's out for the season. He had a knee injury. He came back for a game, re-aggravated it. He's out for the season. And he just got a guy back uh, – his name escapes me right now. Just got him back, and he's been out most of the year, too. Another guard who's not as impactful, but a death piece, definitely. So he's been very undermanned to do what he's doing. His pros are that he has an elite defense. I mean, it is great. I watch Jerome Tang as much as I can. His defense is suffocating. I see Ty say it reminds you of old-school Rick Patino. I would say the intensity of it does. I do think they run different defenses altogether, but they have the same effectiveness. I'll say that. Jerome Tang's more of a man-to-man defense, but he he plays so tight man-to-man and is so physical without fouling. His teams do. It's incredible. Uh, his ability to turn over a roster was evident based on turning over a Kansas State team and going, I believe it was 26-11. and 11 after inheriting a 14 and 17 roster being one bucket away from a final four. I mean, Marquise Noel balled out last year. And so, you know, obviously, and then he can recruit well, that's another thing. Now, obviously we get to the weaknesses and having only two seasons under your belt is a weakness. And I mean, a weakness as far as we don't have a whole lot of data to go off of. Did you hit lightning in a bottle? Can you continuously recruit the way you have been? And, build a roster yourself because there are some unique coaches that are better at flipping a roster and having immediate success than they are sustaining it. And you kind of worry about that a little bit with Eric Musselman some, cause he kind of leaves before you really know uh, in football, Bobby Petrino was that way. He never sat still. As soon as he started to get really good, he'd leave you. So you don't know yet with Jerome Tang. There's not a whole lot of, of data to go off of his teams are turnover prone. And they get stagnant on offense. His offense, I do think some of that this year is related to the injuries. And that's why I said the void that Tomlin left in particular hasn't been filled. And Case Glover would be a very impactful guard on this team, and he's just not there. I do get tired of seeing Tyler Perry 
jack up shot after shot after shot and shoot them out of games. He kind of has that Caleb Love mentality. At times, I want to call him Darius Perry instead of Tyler Perry. He's a better player. He's got more – no no offense to Darius Perry, but Tyler Perry's a very talented player, but he's a chucker. And sometimes the offense gets real stagnant. Shot clock gets down to five, four, three. He's at the top of the key, just throws up junk. And, yeah, he'll make one or two of them, and then he'll miss ten of them. So that is that is a weakness to me is his offense. But his defense is so good that I'm damn near willing to overlook it. What do you guys think about Jerome Tang? Pat? Yeah, man, I, I'm uh, – Jerome Tang has continued to grow on me. K-State down 10. Oh. They're down 11 now. <laughs> Until I heard that, cross him off the list. Cross um, him off. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, all state, he's done. <laughs> He, he's, you know, again, there's not a ton of data, but the data there is is really good. Um, that team was fun to watch last year. The, the few times I've watched them this year, they're, they're, they're fun to watch. Um, I'm a defense guy, and, and I like the way they play defense. Not just that they're good at it, but their defensive concepts. Um, I think, you know, he, he's the guy on this list that I would say is the player's coach. Yes. He, he, he goes all out for his players, but it's in a it's in a different way than Kenny, you know, is a player's coach. He, you know, he demands a lot of his players. I'm not saying Kenny doesn't, but, you know, he, you can tell he's going to go to bat for you. Um, I mean, he went to bat hard for uh, Naquan Tomlin, which he should have. Um, but you know, as, as a kid, you see that and you, you want to play for a guy like that. Um, the roster turnover is good for, you know, our position and, and he's proven that, you know, he can take a, a team that's down and immediately turn them around, um, which most of these guys on this list have proven, um, there's not other than the limited, um, the limited data, there's not a ton I dislike about Jerome Tang. I do wonder, and, and maybe one of you guys know, why, you know, he spent 19 years as an assistant at Baylor and was it was he rejecting, you know, mid-major jobs and waiting for a Power 5 job? I don't know. that. It's a little bit weird, and, and that could throw up a little bit of a red flag. But other than that, man, I mean, he, he's – near if not at the top of my list and and i think the rest of this season well you know to get more data and, and to see how he performs can he take this team back to the tournament without you know two of his probably top four players um that's going to tell us a lot well real quick before connor goes i actually think him staying at baylor so long if he were to leave kansas state and come to louisville it makes me think he'd stick around as long as he has success and the fans backed him which they absolutely would so long as he has success he's the kind of guy that people gravitate to i think he'd stick around and i mean a con which i forgot to say was uh, 57 years old so he is a little bit older but i mean he can still give you 13 good years anyway connor what do you think of jerome tang I mean, I'm watching him right now. Like, his defense is great. Like, the offense has a lot to be desired. But, you know, without two of your best players, like, it's hard. But I also go back to what Pat just said. Like, there was probably a reason he was an assistant for 19 years. And 
and this is not like this is not a bad thing on him, but like Kenny was also an assistant for how many years? And then he went into year one as a head coach. Like they're two different people. And Kenny had never made a practice plan in his life. Look what happened. He went four and twenty-eight. Tang probably never did that either. And look, he went whatever he did last 26 year. Twenty-six and eleven. Yeah. 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 Like the not having experience, quote unquote, of being a head coach, like, yeah, that's kind of a red flag, but his record's forty and fourteen. Like it's the complete opposite of Kenny's record, and they have coached the same amount of games. And arguably, the Big 12 is a harder conference to coach in than the ACC at this point. Definitely. Okay. So, my take on Jerome Tang is I would love Jerome Tang at Louisville. Absolutely love it. I think he's – okay, here's my thing. history of winning. Now, that's the most if he won because it's very little history. But in the little history he has – he does win. Addicted to basketball? I don't know. I tried to look up. He talks a lot about his faith, and he obviously loves basketball. I don't know if he's like a Muzz or a Cronin type of basketball addict. I don't know that answer. Embracing the limelight? Absolutely. Jerome Tang is not afraid of anybody, and he has no problem you know, embracing the limelight, and he seems to actually do a really good job of that. Cultural fit to the program, I absolutely think he would be. I think he would be a very good transition, and he would be able to empathize with a fan base who's been through hell and back for, what, six or seven years now, and it just keeps getting worse. I think he would be able to empathize where I feel like this staff currently didn't do a good job of that, and they kind of you know, just walled everybody off when we needed a coach to kind of you know, reach out and lend an olive branch or two. We earned that, I felt like, but I guess not with this staff. I think Jerome Tang would be really good at that. So that being said, I am going to uh, go to the next one. I see somebody saying move along, but, I mean, you got to break them down. It's called a deep dive. It's not called a say one sentence about them. (laughs) All right. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Dusty May is a name that I have heard is interested as his agents have reached out about the Louisville job and express interest in the job. And I think it is sincere interest. So his coaching tree is Bob Knight as a student manager at IU and Mike White, who was the Florida coach and I believe he's at Georgia now. So Dusty May's overall record is 109 and 62 for a 63.7% winning percentage. He's currently 15 and four this season at FAU. His tournament success, he made his first tournament last year, but he made the most of it. He made the final four. So that's pretty good. Additional information he is from close to Bloomington, which is important. He was a student manager under Bob Knight, which is important. And he went 35 and four last season. His pros and his strengths, in my opinion, he is still young. He's 46 years old. So you get Dusty May, and if he's a lifer, which we'll get into why I don't think he is, but if he was a lifer and he was successful, you've got your next 25, 30-year coach potentially. He has a fun style of play on offense, very fun. He spreads the floor. He has four ball handlers who can – who can handle the ball anywhere on the court, who can shoot it from anywhere on the court, 
So it kind of reminds me of those old Villanova teams, those four guard teams under Jay Wright. I'm impressed with it. He retained almost his entire roster from last season. So that shows people like to play for him. Except the kid that graduated. That's the only one that he didn't bring back. Only one. He had one guy that left the team. So almost the entire roster is back. I would also say I put in my weaknesses that that is a point of skepticism because can you flip a roster? Can you recruit at an elite level at a school like Louisville? How long will it take you? Because at Florida Atlantic, which I, I will say, Florida Atlantic had absolutely nothing. It's very well known when I read Dusty May's background that when he took the FAU job, he had not toured the facilities yet. He impulsively took the job, and he went home and cried that night and told his wife he was going to you know, rescind his name after he saw that they had absolutely no facilities and no money. He thought he made a huge mistake. And uh, so that's an interesting story. His wife and then, you know, Mike White and a couple of others said, hey, stick it in there. Do, I, I, I believe in you. You'll make it work. Nice. So <laughs> he, yeah. So he went 17, I think he went 16 and 15, 17 and 15, 17 and 15, and 19 and 15. So his best record before the Final Four season was 19 and 15, and that was in four years. So he didn't really do a whole lot, but he also had nothing to work with. So that's why I brought all that up first. So he finally gets guys. He gets a culture established. He, he did what he did last year. He went 35 and four with a final four and he's 15 and four so far this year. He has played some good teams. Uh, I think he does struggle with some weaker teams this year. I don't feel like his team's doing quite as well so far this year as they did last year. So I don't know. So then the next thing, my biggest con with Dusty May, and to me it's a deal breaker, but some people may disagree, is that I think he, he will be at IU as soon as they come calling, and I don't think it's going to take very long. That is his dream job. He was born and raised near Bloomington, Indiana. He was a student manager for Bobby Knight. His entire immediate family, besides like his wife and his kid, I mean, I shouldn't say immediate, his entire extended family is from that area, and most of them still live in that area. It's kind of like how Jeff Brom was at Louisville. You always had a feeling he would end up back here, even after he turned us down the first time. Now, he doesn't have the connections to the program that the Brahms had. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that his heart is probably still an IU from everything I've heard. And so if Woodson was 50 years old and crushing it, I wouldn't be too worried. Woodson is 65 years old, and he's not crushing it. So whether he retires or whether he gets fired next year if he doesn't make the tournament, I fully expect them to put the full court press on Dusty May. And if it takes them three or four years to build this program before it really gets rolling, either A, we'll get one good year out of him, or we may not get any good years out of him. He may still be in that process, and he jumps to IU. That's a big risk to me. What do you guys think? I just don't, like, <laughs> is a pro that we could get Coron's cousin? But He's a baller. <laughs> Like, like, that's his best player. Like, no joke, that's his best player. But I, I just don't – I don't see it. And if he – like, if he's here for three or four years and fixes us, cool. And goes to IU, cool. 
But who says IU doesn't make the tournament this year and Woodson doesn't get fired this year? And then we're both open at the same time. So Dusty is not even going to consider us. Like, I don't know anything that IU's going to do. Like, I have no clue. But it won't be this year. It won't be this year. It will not be this year. And I, I wish it was because then his name would be off the table. We wouldn't have to deal with getting him here and then losing him. You know what I mean? Because if he's here for a year, like he's not really building a foundation because all those kids, guess what? They're all going to transfer to Indiana. Like, and being able to transfer multiple times, which is a court case, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to bore you with that. It's, it's going to end up being a, you're going to be able to transfer as many times as you want. That's going to get struck down in court. So like, cool. If you, if he, can recruit at a high level, that's great. But I think he re- recruited guys at the level that he needed for FAU, and they got better with him. They're not at a power five level. If you if you have his guys play a power five schedule day in, day out, they're not 15 and four. They're – I saw something on Twitter the other day that they've hit they've hit for the cycle this year. They've beaten a quad one, a quad two, a quad three, and a quad four. But they've also lost to a quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four. So I like is it a better spot than we're in now? Yeah, but I just don't think having him for a year is the best idea. Are you Pat? Yeah, I mean of the four main candidates, I think Dusty probably has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor. And I'm not sure in the situation we're in, we can take someone with the lowest floor. Um, and then you add into that, like if, if he does do well here, the IU factor, I mean, this shouldn't be a consideration, you know, by Josh Hurd, but man, I, it would ruin me if I had to hear IU fans talk all the time about how they hired our coach away. Brother, I live here. Oh. My yeah. <laughs> my entire – all the peers around me have already said, we'd love for Dusty to go to Louisville because he would be at a, a big school and then we would know if he could do it or not before we take him from you. Yeah. And it is true. I, I can't even argue it. Oh, yeah. it would be awful, man. It would be awful. So, I mean, those those are he, he's again, man. He's got he's got a high ceiling, and he if he can transfer what he's doing at Florida Atlantic to a Power Five job, you know, he's got it, and he's young enough. He's still got room to grow as a coach. He's got a chance to to be a top notch guy. But I want a guy in here um, who I know. The floor is going to be making the tournament, getting us to sweet 16s, you know, with a higher uh, ceiling, obviously. But I I need that floor right now. I need to see tournament basketball. I need to see, you know, us winning in in year one or year two. And I'm not sure Dusty brings that. Um, I will say that his offense of the four guys is probably the most exciting. Um, But, yeah, man, I I just – I don't know if I could deal with the risk of, of Dusty May on, on both sides of, 
is he going to be successful here? And if he's successful here, is he going to stay here? Yeah, that's that's hard to deal with. That's a, like a it's just a weight that Louisville basketball usually doesn't have to worry about. If a coach is successful, you don't really worry about our programs poaching them. But it's another blue blood, and it happens to be the where his heart is. So it's hard to say no to that. Maybe he would, but that's not a chance I'd be willing to take. But anyway, we're gonna move on. All right. <laughs> This is the one a lot of people have been waiting on. Either they want to pounce on it or they want to support it. So here we go with the polarizing takes. We're going to read his resume before we even start. Chris Beard, coaching tree. His biggest name in his coaching tree is Bob Knight uh, at Texas Tech. He learned under him, under his tutelage. His overall record is 251 and 100, 71.5% winning percentage. Currently 15 and three this season at Ole Miss. And last I heard, he was winning. So he may be currently up 12 on Musselman. <laughs> yeah. So probably going to be 16 and three very soon. Tournament success. You think he's got it? He had one national runner up and an Elite Eight, both at Texas Tech. He went 30 and five at Little Rock and he won an NCAA tournament game at Little Rock. He was 7-1 at Texas in the second season before he got fired, and most people thought that that was going to be a national championship caliber team before he got fired for what happened there. That team was dirty and still went to the Elite Eight with a with him, coach. But yeah. it was mainly due to him. So his pros and his strengths, we'll start there. Uh, quick program builder, no doubt about it. Look what he's doing at Ole Miss right now, and look what he's done everywhere he's been. Success at multiple programs, Texas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Makes deep tournament runs. An elite defensive coach, absolutely elite on the defensive end. And he's not bad on offense either. And he's a great recruiter, there's no doubt about it. How many guys did Rick Patino and Chris Mack, I think it was mainly Chris Mack, lose to Chris Beard? All kind of them. So, One of them is playing for him right now. <laughs> and then <laughs> – I have one con and one weakness. And normally you'd say, there's only one? That's great. Nope, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. It's the worst con he could have well, besides murder. He has domestic assault allegations. Now, I'm not here to play the did he do it, did he not do it. The police report was written. It looks bad. and But, you know, the, the woman rescinded it, said it was overblown or whatever she said exactly. I don't want to be the moral police here. What I will say is I added Chris Beard because when I asked Trilly Donovan in his Discord about guys I should add besides the four that I've led with, he mentioned Chris Beard and, and the candidate after him, but he said just add them and briefly talk about them. He didn't make it sound like our administration would strongly pursue them, which I assume is the case. Now, people can be mad about that, but we do have a history of stepping in shit multiple times and so you bring a guy like chris beard here a pr you are going to take a pr hit if you're talking just when if you're talking just his resume without the domestic assault he clears beard he's the best guy on the list hands down no questions asked you throw everything you can at him but he does have domestic assault allegations he is at ole miss the argument I hear both sides. The argument is Ole Miss took a chance. He hasn't done anything wrong there yet. Now he hasn't been there very long. But why wouldn't we take a chance if they took the biggest hit first 
But the argument on the other side, you know, some people are not willing to put up with that at all. Like it's unacceptable for a moral standpoint for them as fans to support a team that's coached by a guy who they feel definitely was in the wrong and made a lot of bad decisions. I think we can all agree, no matter what, with the police report, it was a bad night for everybody involved. And Chris Beard is not exonerated from all of it. How bad it got, I'm not going to get into that. And like I said, I can see, I understand why people would not be for the hire. Uh, and then I also understand the, the people that are willing to give him a second chance because he is really good. So what do you guys think? Hell, we gave Bobby Petrino a second chance too. Yeah, a little, little different situations. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I hate to go too deep into Chris Beard because, you know, you've kind of said this, but right or wrong, I don't think we touch him. Um, and, and, and again, I'm like you, I can see both sides. I can see people who I can totally understand why people would not want him to be our head coach. And I can totally understand why people would want to take a chance on him. Um, I mean, I think from a pure basketball coaching standpoint, not talking about personality or, or, you know, allegations or anything like that he is one of the best college basketball coaches in the country i think you know now that the page is turning and some of these old heads are getting out of the game you know rick patino's old he's going to retire soon shashevsky's gone roy williams is gone cal's probably not going to be around much longer i mean bill self is Probably here for another 15 years. He's coach number one. I'm not sure that Chris Beard over the next 20 years, you know, isn't going to be coach coach number two. two. Um, Scott Drew's up there, um, you know, Hurley. But Chris Beard right now is probably a top five coach in the game. So, yeah, from a coaching standpoint, he'd be a home run. But I don't think we'll touch him and – whether that's right or, or wrong, um, I'm not sure myself, and I can see why people would argue both ways. I, I, like, I don't know what went into the hiring process at Ole Miss, but I can all but guarantee you they had a private investigator go through everything, do their due diligence, all that kind of stuff. Not advocating for what, what Chris Beard did. I'm advocating for his coaching resume, and that is it. Chris Beard would make us a second weekend team next year. Not even lying. Like, if you hired Chris Beard, the fans would be back, the NIL money would be rolling in, and we would be good again. And he would be one that would probably stick around for a while. I, Off the top of my head, I don't know how old he is. What, like 49, 50? Yeah. Like, he could be here another 20 years. I don't know if he wants to be coaching when he's 70, but he would be one that I would not say no to. If he if we called him and said, hey, do you want to be the head coach here? And he said yes, I wouldn't even call anybody else. I, don't I, know. I mean, I think, I think he – if we called him and asked him to be the head coach here, I think he would definitely – 
come here. I don't, I don't know what his buyout is. I'm it's Ole Miss, so I'm I'm all but guarantee you it's not that much. It, I think his is three point five. I could be wrong. It's somewhere around there, but Ole Miss doesn't value basketball. And I and this is my honest opinion. Ole Miss was the job that took a chance on him. That was the only job that he was gonna get. So he took it, and now he's he's up seventeen on Musselman, about to go seventeen and three. So in year one. Okay, so um, my final thoughts on Chris Beard are: I'm going to trust Josh Hurd to do whatever because I don't. I see both sides. That's all I got to say about it. That's why he gets paid the big bucks and has the heavy as a head that wears a crown because I understand the polarizing aspect i will say if you don't pursue a guy like chris beard and he does he is interested you better have a really good coach lined up uh so that being said we're gonna move on i am gonna try to go quick because my daughter is not doing well up there without me right now uh will wade this is another one that Trilly Donovan, when I asked him in discord and his discord the burner by the way for all of you that are willing to pay six dollars it's great great content he responds to every question he's very connected and has no problem updating people as he gets information in that discord so that being said i asked him he told me to add will wade as somebody that would be interested in the louisville job he doesn't know how much louisville would be interested in him uh so we obviously know he's got some issues but we'll go over his resume coaching tree shock smart <laughs> ty elliott's favorite guy that's funny ty ty loves Will Wade, but uh, he's going to say that that's why Shaka went. You know, I don't think he was at VCU yet when they went to the Final Four, but I'll have to look that up to make sure. Uh, his overall record is 207 and 98 for a 68% winning percentage. Currently 17 and 2 this season at McNeese State, who McNeese State was 11 and 22 last year. So he's immediately flipped that record. I know McNeese State is not a great school and a great conference. But anytime you go from 11 and 22 to 17 and 2, like immediately, that's impressive. I don't know. Southland's got some dudes in that conference. His tournament success won Sweet 16 in 2019 with a 25 and 5 overall record that season. Uh, additional information he had a top five Kim Palm offense in 2020 and 2021 at LSU. His defense struggled that year, those years. In 2022, he had a top five defense. His offense struggled. So his pros are that he's high energy, he's young, he's fiery, he's a competitor. Great recruiter at LSU, and I put three asterisks behind that because we all know why he was a great recruiter at LSU. We don't have to beat around the bush with that. Uh, he is 41 years old, like I said, he's young. He's a potentially quick rebuilder of a program. Uh, the question is, and the cons and weaknesses, is how much can he, what is his ceiling? because he did make one sweet 16, but at LSU, he also had some very mediocre seasons and he either got first round exits or he, he just didn't make tournaments. So it is, it was hard to know because I feel like as soon as he started to get it rolling, there was when he uh, made a strong ass offer and got a strong ass firing. So uh, he does. The biggest weakness is that he has a show cause. So if you hire a coach with a show cause, especially a school like Louisville who just got out, you know, 
just got out of the cloud as people call it. You got to do a lot. Like I know you got to do a lot of compliance training. You got to, you know, I think you take fines. I know recruiting wise, you have restrictions. Connor may know a little bit more, but I don't want to get too. Luckily I haven't had to do with show causes. So I have, uh, no experience with that no experience. <laughs> I just know you got to jump through a million hoops, extra education. You do get some scholarship re- reduction restrictions. If you bring somebody on with that, the counter argument would be, Hey, people pay players through NIL. Now, obviously the coach did it directly that that still can't happen, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably loopholes that Connor <laughs> knows about, but we're not going to talk about those either. We're just going to say as Louisville fans that we want our coach to be clean within whatever rules. So if a player's getting paid, we want it to be three NIL, the legal way, the right way. And so that's the question with Will Wade is, you know, it's, I think it's different than Chris Beard because Chris Beard, I totally get where people dig their feet in and say like what he did is unacceptable. I get why people feel that way. Uh, and Will Wade, I don't think it's that big of a deal now what he did. I don't. I just don't. I mean, you're paying players now. It's kind of like how Kelvin Sampson got fired at IU for sending text messages to recruits, and like a year or two later, they changed the rules and you can text recruits now. Nobody's holding that against Kelvin Sampson now. No. The only problem is that show calls and the, the PR perception. You hire Will Wade, you're initially going to take a PR hit of, of course, Louisville would hire him. Yeah. You know, slimy and slimy. You're gonna hear, I don't care about that. I care about winning. As long as you're within the rules now, which includes paying players, I don't care. Uh, my, 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 you know, my four criteria, history of winning, he has some. It's a little iffy. That's probably the one that I'm a little bit skeptical and leery on. Addicted to basketball is number two. He is addicted to basketball. Number three, embrace the limelight. He absolutely will. He's a fiery, charismatic, fire and brimstone dude. Cultural fit to the program. You know, any UK fans watching will laugh and say, yeah, he's a cultural fit because you cheat and he cheats. But I'm serious. He would be a great cultural fit as far as our fans. Once people got over that stigma of hiring a guy with a show calls, do I think we'll do it? No. I don't, but I think he'd be interested. How about you, Pat? Yeah, man, I, I've got mixed feelings. I go up and down about Will Wade. Um, he's kind of like May, but we've seen what he can do at the Power 5 level, and it's kind of a mixed bag, which I don't know if that's a good thing or, or a bad thing. Um, uh, there, there's some of those LSU teams where I thought he had crazy talent and they didn't really succeed, especially in the postseason. Um, but he's 41 years old. He has won at both the, you know, mid-major, now the low-major, and, and the P5 level, not consistently a P5. So, again, he's got a very high ceiling. it's just hard to talk about him because even though I do not hold anything against him for what he did, I I have a feeling that Herd won't touch him specifically because of the show cause. If the show cause wasn't there, I think he'd be more of a player. Connor. Uh, I, so out of the list, my top two are Chris Beard one, Will Wade two. (laughs) And and Connor works in compliance. (laughs) 
<laughs> works in NCAA compliance. Uh, I, I like. I so oh, I actually yeah. had this conversation yesterday about Will Wade with some basketball coaches. Um, the reason McNeese is so good this year is because of LSU. They have LSU donors that are donating to McNeese's NIL because the LSU donors are pissed that they fired Will Wade. So I know that's helping recruiting. I don't like he was fine recruiting LSU. Um, it'll be easier to recruit here. Um, I don't know how many of you all how many of you all watched the game the other day against Corpus Christi, but Corpus Christi is good. Um, Corpus Christi has been good for years in the Southland. Um, I think. What 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 was it like? They haven't beaten Corpus since like 2012 or something stupid like that, and then they go and beat Corpus at Corpus on. Uh, Monday night, I Will Wade's lost what one game this year because he didn't coach the first ten. Oh well, he's lost one year. Well, I don't know. No, I don't think he's lost any. Connor. Yeah, I think even better. Same before he coached. <laughs> he might like, have lost one at the very beginning, but I don't think he has. Um, I did see in here that B Crossfield said Wade has a jerk personality, like Cronin. Not looking for a nice guy, but someone who at least isn't a jerk to me. I will be honest. I I looked a lot into Cronin, and I didn't look as much into that part of it with with Willie with Will Wade. So I don't want to sound like I'm praising one guy and and condemning the other for it. So if that is true, I'd have to see for myself how bad he is. But if he's if he has that similar type of like, anytime he loses, it's everybody's fault, and he throws his players under the bus. You know, he's a jerk in the PR, like, you know, just obnoxious, sore loser type. That That is an issue. So I'll look into that more because I don't want to, like, like I said, I want to be fair to all of them. But because I'm pretty high on Will Wade right now besides that show calls. But, but you know, I have admittedly not looked into that part of it. I, isn't it only a one-year show cause or is it a two-year? I, I Somebody told me it was two, but I don't know. If I did if it's one, and I, for some reason I think it's two, but I if think it's one, it, run, it, it runs till June twenty first, twenty twenty five. Yeah, so yeah, man, yeah. yeah. Well, there go, there goes that idea. I don't think it's gonna happen, guys. Uh, um, all right, we're gonna move on quickly to this next one. This is not somebody that's on the list. Oh God! I didn't it, but this, Pat Pat loves this guy. Pat Pat actually wrote all this up and wanted us to talk about. Him. So, Pat, I'm going to let you take this away. Like I said, this is not somebody I've heard linked to Louisville. I don't think anybody has really talked about him in Louisville, and I don't even know if he wants to go anywhere. We'll go ahead and get into Grant McCaslin. Go ahead, Pat. All right. Yeah, I, I doubt that this is a guy that we're really, really looking at, but it's a guy that is a college basketball fan you should pay attention to and watch. And I think in two years from now, he's going to be getting – Big, big time offers. Um, Grant McCaslin was an assistant coach under Scott Drew for eight years. He was actually on the same staff with uh, Jerome Tang. Um, he's at Texas Tech his first year now. In his career, 170 and 80, 
Uh, he coached D2 for a while in junior college, was very successful there too. Um, and he's 15 and three this year at Texas Tech. Um, he has been to one tournament uh, with North Texas and he won the first round and he was the NIT champion last year at North Texas. So he doesn't have much Power Five experience. Uh, this is his first year in the Power Five, but he has. He's a quick rebuilder. He's been at Arkansas State. He was there for one year. Took them from eleven and twenty to twenty and twelve. Took North Texas from eight and twenty-two to twenty and eighteen, and then built them in uh, five years, I believe, to uh, you know a, a tournament contender every year, which it's hard to make the tournament in their league unless you win the conference tournament. Um, and now he's taken Texas Tech from 16 and 6 to 15 and 3. Um, he's been described as a tireless worker with a fiery attitude. Um, and he hit the transfer portal hard this year. So he can rebuild a, a team quickly and is willing to turn over a roster. Um, Obviously, first year at a Power 5 program, so a bit of unknown. There's not as much data. Lack of NCAA tournament experience. He says he's been in the uh, probably more. North Texas is now a mid-major. Um, but, you know, when he got there, they, they were probably more of a low major. Um, and, again, he's turned them around. He, he's had a couple top 25 Ken Palm defenses at North Texas, a top 20 offense this year, so he can kind of mix it both ways. Um, and he's won 20 games every year. He's been a head coach other than the COVID short year in 2021. Not a guy that uh, I think is going to be on the list right now. I think it'd be successful in March and the rest of the year at Texas Tech. You'll probably see his name pop up, maybe not at – our spot, but at some big time jobs. Um, and he's a guy, I want to read this quote. Um, this was written by a guy at, at North Texas uh, after a few years there. Quote, it all goes back to the culture and identity he and his staff have established since arriving at the program at summer of 2017. Uh, there's a famous video clip that circulates sometimes from a practice that first summer where after watching a poor ball screen coverage, he stops play and tells his players, quote, I don't want to win 15 games. Am I clear? I want to win a championship. You have to go over the top if we're going to win a championship. Um, and he and went on to say, I'm not interested in being average. And then from then on out, that's his first year at North Texas. From then on out, he uh, – won the CBI tournament that first year, went 21 and 12 next year, and then won three straight Conference USA titles. Um, that is the type of stuff I want to hear from our head coach, man. He, he will not um, accept losing, will not accept winning 15 games. He wants to win championships. So, again, I don't think this guy is at the top of Hurd's list, but it's a guy we need to watch out for if he has a uh, – successful rest of the season and a guy on the national stage that I think we're going to be looking out for over the next couple of years. You know, his point guard was last year. Yeah. Oh, it's right. 
So we're going to rank these guys now. We're going to – let's not count McCaslin, but we're going to rank these six guys. I'm going to try and make it quick because we're an hour and a half into this, and we still got to talk about Lamar a little bit. Uh, We'll touch on the football schedule a little bit, but we're going to really lightly – we're going to expound upon the football schedule next week, I think. We're going to push that. But we'll talk about Lamar. But first, I want to get into the rankings. I'll start with uh, my rankings, and I'll explain them because they're a little bit – that they don't reflect how I feel about the coaches as coaches. Let me say that. I have Chris Beard last, and it's not because of coaching. I don't think we're going to I don't think we're going to pursue Chris Beard. So like me ranking him, like I I don't feel like I can rank a guy who I don't think we're considering because of moral stuff. Because then I have to take a stance and I'm really in the middle on it. Like I don't like the domestic assault stuff. I don't like it. I don't like that it's lingering, and I don't like that that's going to be a thing that we have to even worry about, which I know another coach that you don't think would do it could very well do that. But we don't know what people will or won't do until they have a history of it. Then we kind of have to be worried about it. So it's not coaching. It has nothing to do with it. I just don't think we're going to pursue them. So I've got them in the back. I'm not really even going to rank them. It's almost like an N.A., not applicable, if that makes more sense. It's, I don't even want to say it's that he's last. He's not applicable. Will Wade, also not applicable to me. Trilly told me to, to, to touch on those guys because they were they, they did have interest, but I just don't think we'll hire them. So it's almost like I can't really rank them if I don't think we're even they're even potentials because we're not going to be receptive to it. Now, again, all this information doesn't come from within our athletic department. They're not talking right now. So you have to you have to get you have to connect with people who are connected to these agents and coaches and hope they know what they're talking about, or at least if they don't, they don't, but you know, that's all I have to go off of. So I don't think we're going to pursue Chris Beard, at least not hard. We may put feelers out. If he puts feelers out first, we may be a little, I don't know. I just can't imagine. I just can't. And I know people are saying we put up with Patino and this and that. Well, no, we didn't. We got rid of them. And we can agree or disagree with that, but that's what they did. And I know it was Shay. I know about Bevin and overthrowing the board of trustees and all that. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with all that. I'm just saying we did get rid of him. And the idea was we weren't going to bring somebody back like that. I'm not saying I agree. I'm, that's what happened. I don't expect them to then turn around and bring a guy like Chris Beard in. If they do, like I said, I trust Josh Hurd. If they do, I'll get behind it and it won't be, I'll get behind the decision. And it won't be hard because he's a hell of a coach. But that's a decision I'm not, you know, able to make. And I just don't think we're going to consider him. Will Wade, I don't think with a show cause, I don't think we're going to consider him. I love Will Wade. I'll tell you what, if Will Wade didn't have that going on, I would have him way up on the list too. So those two guys are out. So I start with number number four then because there's four left. I'm going to put Dusty May at number four. And it's because of the IU stuff. That's the biggest thing. I, I have no interest in a coach that I think we're going to lose within a couple of years. I have none. And some people can agree or disagree. I think he seems like a really good guy. I think he could be a great coach. But I think it's going to take him a little bit to build a system at a Power 5 school when he hasn't had to recruit at the level he will here. He'll have to get a system and culture in place. And I just I don't feel like we have enough time before that job opens up there. 
And I also don't want to deal with the bull. I'll be honest, personal reasons that, that other people can't relate to. I don't want to have to hear about every damn day how they're dominating with, with, with Dusty May and they took them from us. Now they took them from us and he laid an egg. That'd be kind of funny, but I'm not willing to take that chance. And I don't want us to have to turn around and make another hire. I want us to be the destination job that we damn well should be in basketball. So he's number four. Number three, I've got Mick Cronin, which is going to bum some people out, the Cronin fans. the people I'm not boning for Cronin, and I'm saying nay to May. So, so those two, I'm just not on board. Cronin, I talked about it earlier, but you have to have four traits for me to be a successful coach here. A history of winning and success in the tournament, he does have that. Addicted to basketball, he most certainly is. Embracing the limelight, I don't think he does a good job of that at all. And cultural fit to the program, I think he would absolutely cave under pressure of the fan base, of the media. I think the fishbowl mentality would absolutely have him and the fans and the at odds. I think players will have a hard time buying into his system with the portal right there where you can just enter the portal anytime you're upset. I picture Mick Cronin being like, if you're if you're not tough enough, if you want to be a sissy, enter the damn portal. And the players will go, okay. And they'll all they'll all enter the portal. So uh I, I don't I don't really want to take that chance. And you know, you can call it being soft, being weak as far as this generation of people and that they need to, you know, be torn down to be built back up. It doesn't work like that anymore. There is a way to do that, but I don't think it's the way Mick Crone is doing it anymore. I think he would have been I mean, he he's a old he's an old school coach who needs to change his ways or he's gonna get lost. And I think he's he's already starting to get lost this year. Uh Number two is going to surprise people who know me very well. I've been a huge Eric Musselman fan. One of them here since Chris Mack became our coach. But I have Eric Musselman number two instead of number one. Uh, I have Eric Musselman number two because he is a little bit older. He, he does move around a lot, and it makes me a little bit nervous. But number two is not bad. I would love Eric Musselman at Louisville. Let me make that very clear. I think it would surprise my closest friends because I've been such a huge fan. I think they probably would have assumed I would have had him number one. But history of winning, he has it. Addicted to basketball, he definitely is. Embracing the limelight, he'll do it without a shirt on. Cultural fit to the program, absolutely. You hire Eric Musselman. I know some people don't want Muss. That's fine. I know I know some reasons why they don't. There's others I don't. But I think Eric Musselman here, everybody would get on board once you saw how he recruits and once you saw the jolt of electricity he would inject into this dead program. He is like administering CPR. He would do the chest compressions. I hope he doesn't do mouth to mouth. I don't want that. But he would bring us back to life. And that leads me to number one. Despite his lack of experience as a head coach, Jerome Tang, Tang Gang, what he's doing right now, and I know not literally right now, he's probably losing because he was earlier, but what he's I think, doing. I think they came back. Well, there you go. What he's doing right now, flipping rosters, getting everybody to buy in, winning with a team that has had injuries, wrongful dismissals, he 
he fulfilled, he checks so many boxes as far as cultural fit. History of winning, that's his biggest negative on my big four because he just hasn't had enough experience as a head coach. But he has won in what little history he has. Addicted to basketball, I don't know how addicted he is. Does he put basketball above everything? I don't know. Embrace the fit, embrace the limelight, he absolutely does, and he absolutely would here, I have no doubt. Cultural fit to the program, absolutely. And before people say it's just about winning games, personality doesn't matter, I don't agree with that. I never will. I'll put it that way. Obviously, it's about winning games. And there are coaches like Rick Patino that can win anywhere they go. There aren't many Rick Patinos out there. A guy like Chris Mack can succeed at Xavier. He could not do it here. A guy like Mick Cronin, I'm afraid, can't either for a lot of the same reasons, uh, except even on a worse level, in my opinion. That being said, that's my list. What about you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, my, my I'm kind of like you. I don't want to go into Wade and, and Beard. You don't want to wade in the wa Will Waters? Yeah, because <laughs> there's especially Beard because – Drew's not I, interested, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think That's we'll, why he's not we'll, on my list. We'll touch them. I mean, if you're talking from a pure basketball standpoint, I don't got to worry about their stuff. I mean, Beard would probably be number one on my list. Wade would probably be number four. Um, but if we're talking about those four main dudes, and by the way, McCaslin would be number three. For, <laughs> for but, um, but if we're talking about the four guys who are our main candidates, I, you know, I'd probably – my order is going to be similar to you. I'd probably go four um, with May just because I'm scared of the, the floor and I'm scared of if he is good, IU takes him. And, and, and that combination just doesn't work for me. It's like uh, you, you can't come in here, have a chance to be bad, but if you're good, probably going to leave. That, that's – just a bad combination. Uh, number three, like you, would probably be Cronin. Um, I think Cronin would do well here. I think he'd get us back to a point where we needed to be. I think there'd be a chance that he could get us back to a Final Four, um, maybe a championship. But, again, it's if things go bad – it's going to be a mess, I think, with Mick Cronin. And, and we, I mean, for one, that. we can't have things go bad, obviously, but but we definitely can't have another, you know, two-year, three-year thing where, where a, a coach goes ballistic and quits, which I don't think Chris would do. Uh, do. Um, or, I mean, Mick would do. Sorry, I was thinking about Chris Mack. Um, but – I think it could get messy with the media and the fans if things don't go well. Um, so that kind of leads me to the first, the, the top two. And I, I go back and forth on these guys daily. It's hard. I do too. Um, I, yeah, it, it's, it's hard because I think the thing that makes Musselman so attractive to me, and I said this earlier, and I think you were probably peeing, uh, Kyle, going to going going to check on your daughter, but 
both. The, Not the at the same floor. time, but but yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the, the floor for for Musselman is extremely attractive to me because I think he comes in here and he immediately gets us back to the tournament, Sweet Sixteens. I think you know, and, and we've discussed this in Discord. I think winning no matter who you are, is going to bring the fans back. But I think before a game starts, you're going to sell the most tickets if Musselman is our coach. And that's exciting to me because next year, the first game, I want to go in there and I want the young rocking. And I think with Musselman as our coach, it's going to be rocking. Tang, uh, man, the, I'm so impressed with what he's done with how he's dealt with adversity, I think is why I, I go back and forth with him and Musselman. I, the, you've got to deal with adversity here, and he's done it extremely well at his short time at KSU. Now, how does he deal with the adversity of losing? We haven't been able to see that yet, but that's, that's a good thing. He, he's not losing. Um, I'd probably today, and this would change probably tomorrow, I'd probably go Muscleman number one and, and Tang number two. So Muscleman, Tang, Cronin, May. How about Jarek Muscle Tang, a hybrid, all the best yeah. features of both, would, none of the worst. Be, that would be great. All right, Connor, what's your list? Oh, oh, real, real quick, no, Noel, I did see your comment, and then I'll let um, – my list, I don't know if you know who Trilly Donovan is. I'm in his Discord, The Burner. It's really interesting. You should check it out. Right now, Louisville sources, if you hear that you're hearing things out of Louisville, they're on complete lockdown. They don't want anything happening except just to get through the year, keep things airtight. So you kind of have to find people that are in the agency and coaching national scene. And for me, that would be a good source. So I went to him with my list of four people, May, Tang, Musselman, and whom I'm listening off of there, somebody, Cronin. And he said that add Will Wade and Chris Beard as people you just briefly talk about since they do have some interest. He never mentioned Scott Drew. He doesn't have Scott Drew on his potential movers list. And Scott Drew has turned down huge jobs time after time after time again, not even entertained them. He loves being at Baylor. They just built a new arena that he pushed so hard for. They just completed and opened it. Like, they literally just opened it like two weeks ago. They played like four games in it, maybe. Yeah, and that was his baby. That was his doing. It is not as easy as, hey, we're Louisville, so we're just going to grab Scott Drew. I, I would absolutely talk about him if I thought we had any shot, but there's just a lot that doesn't add up with him come, being interested. But I hope I'm wrong. I'll be the first to come on here and say, hey, I guess I was wrong. Anyway, yeah, I, think, I think I think Scott Drew is is Baylor's Denny Crumb. You know, he, he he got there and I think it's his program and he wants to build it. And I don't I don't see him leaving. If if Scott Drew is on the list, Scott Drew would be my number one. And I think that's everybody here and everybody that like talks about Scott Drew. He You're welcome, be, Noel. Anytime. He would be everybody's number one, like far and away, not even close. If Scott Drew is interested, he would be number one. So who is so speaking of it? What's your list, Connor? What's your top? I mean, you, top five? You, I mean, you know my one and two. Beard and Wade. That's right. Yeah, you did say that. Who's so? Who's who's after Beard and Wade? So Beard would be one. Wade would be two. 
And then uh, watching the Arkansas game right now. <laughs> oh, you can't be a prisoner of the moment. They do stink this year. That's true. Listen, listen they're yeah, they're playing my number one candidate, and they're down uh, twenty seven points. Oh my, <laughs> that is a bloodbath. Um, I guess I shouldn't see. That's the thing. I can't use the term bloodbath with Chris Beard. Yeah, <laughs> not good. I'm not even trying to. I'm just like I'm trying to tiptoe around things, and then I like I could step into some words on accident. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, but you gotta be careful. Take, what if I you say. take those top those top two guys out, it's Tang, Muscleman, yeah, Cronin May. Like, it, everybody's list is the exact same. Like, I, as much as I like Eric Muscleman, we're seeing that his style doesn't always work. It's great to get transfers out of the portal. It's great because what you need to win in March is experienced guard play. But if you don't have guys that have been around you for more than, what, five months, your system's not going to work all the time. Like right now they're down 69 to 43, about to be 72. Um, that, but, yeah. like, I would love to see it. I would love to have Eric Musselman because his energy. Yeah, well, Eric oh, Musselman, Chris Arrow. Beard, Chris Beard, and Will Wade are obviously not going to happen. You're talking about okay. Sorry, yeah. I misunderstood. That's my fault. Like, if if we could get Will Wade, Chris Beard, I would. I wouldn't say a word. I would be ecstatic. But it's not going to happen. So, <laughs> Tang, Tang, Musselman, Cronin, May. But getting Eric Musselman would put a pulse into the fan base that we don't have right now. Absolutely. And so, and so would Tang. But I can see the – like justification for taking Tang over Musselman, but I can also see the justification for taking Musselman over May. One has more head coaching experience, the other one doesn't, whatever. They both use the portal. Portal, Portal's good, the portal's bad. Um, you have to be able to balance the high school recruiting out, and I think Musselman has more high school recruiting ties, as we've seen, than – Tang at this point, but I would still take Tang one and Muscleman two. All right, so I'm jumping right into this so we can get going here. This past me bedtime, shit. <laughs> I want predictions real quick for the Ravens versus the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson, our guy, is in the biggest game of his entire life on Sunday, and to be the man, as Ric Flair said when I was a kid in the WWE or WWF when I was a kid, Damn. you got to beat the man. To be the man, you got to beat the man. I and mean, Patrick Mahomes is the man. So, real quick, what are your predictions, Pat? I know you watch religiously like I do. Yeah, man. Uh, I think it's interesting because a lot of the times you get rematches in the playoffs, and these teams didn't play during the regular season. Um, it's going to be a test. Kansas City's defense – is extremely good. Their offense actually is, is pretty average. 
Um, but you have, you know, the the current goat uh, of active players in, in Patrick Mahomes, so you can never count him out. But I think, you know, he's got to go up against the best defense and, and not just the best defense, but probably one of the best defenses of the past 10, 15 years. Um, and it's hard to prepare for Lamar. Um, so I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be terribly high scoring. I'll go 2017. I will say one observation from last week. And, and I think you're going to agree with me, Kyle. Lamar didn't look particularly great in the first half last week. Um, he can't come I, out that slow. Yeah. And, not, and he can't come out that slow. And I think if Kansas City watches film, what they're going to try to attack is they're going to try to bring pressure in the middle so that the pocket collapses. Because Lamar this year has turned into an amazing pocket passer and being able to move around the pocket um and something he's obviously worked on he doesn't he doesn't just bail um and houston did a great job of collapsing that pocket bringing up pressure up the middle um to where instead of going outside or stepping within the pocket lamar was backpedaling and lamar backpedaling is what you want as a defense because that's when he's at his worst. So the adjustments in the second half by both the, the staff and Lamar were, were awesome last week, and I hope it continues this week. Um, I think they told him, hey, man, if they're bringing that pressure, you know, go ahead and, and, and take off. Um, and also they, they started a lot more – they had a lot more quick throws in the second half, had, had a lot more quick options for him. So – I'm hoping that carries over to this week because I think they'll see similar pressure. But I think I think low scoring game 2017 Ravens. Connor, Mark Andrews is back, baby. I feel good about it. Um, we know we know the script. We already know it. It's purple and red in the Super Bowl. It's uh, it's going to be Ravens Niners. Hopefully, hopefully, and I just looked. It's supposed to rain all day on Sunday. There's like an 80% chance of rain in Baltimore on Sunday. So the Ravens are going to run the ball. The Ravens are going to do what they're good at. I think the Ravens end up winning that game 28. I don't want to say 17, but I think it's 28-17 Ravens. Lamar goes to the Super Bowl, plays the Niners. And uh, he he fulfills his draft night uh, promise to the Ravens. So, I I my prediction I I think the rain's not going to impact Kansas City. I'll be honest because they have two really good running backs. I mean, re- they have a really good running game, which you wouldn't really expect. Like you don't hear about that with Patrick Mahomes. You think air raid, but really they haven't been this year for the most part. The receivers have struggled some. The receivers suck. He played well, but here's the thing though. Patrick Mahomes is kind of like a Michael Jordan type. Like, he'll will yeah. you when it counts. Them. And Tom Brady, like, he'll take a team that has no business doing what they do and make a big run with them. And that makes me nervous. It does. I don't think the rain's going to really slow Kansas City down as much as I hope Baltimore's defense does. 
Uh, it could make things a little tricky on those receivers catching the ball who, who have struggled to do it. There is that. So I guess that could be. I just I think the thought is like if if Baltimore runs the ball and Kansas City runs the ball, obviously Baltimore is going to win because they run the ball better. But I would say Kansas City has the second best defense in the country or in the NFL behind Baltimore. And I would also say their running game is really good. I don't know the numbers. I don't have them all the time. I know Baltimore's the best running offense in the NFL. I know that. But I do think Kansas City can hang. So it's the number one run defense. I know Baltimore is versus a really good running offense with Patrick Mahomes behind the center. So if we win, we're going to have to play our best game. We is in Baltimore because I'm, I'm, I go where Lamar goes. Unless he goes to the Patriots, and I ain't fucking doing that. No offense, Patriots fans. Yeah, I'm not Bill doing has gone, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't care. The stench never leaves. So, anyway, uh, I, I ride with Lamar, so I think as long as the defense plays fun the way they have been, and Lamar's going to have to play his game, and he's going to have to be on top. He can't start slow. He cannot start slow, not in this game. That's important. And you have to, you know, turnovers are are, are – abundant when it rains so whoever whoever gets the most turnovers is going to win that's a great equalizer on the road too if we turn it over that road or that home field advantage is completely gone so you can't do that i'm gonna go it's gonna be close man i'm gonna go with baltimore 27 kansas city 21 and we go to Super Bowl to play the 49ers. And I'll give those predictions at a later time. And, guys, we'll wrap it up tonight with the football schedule. Very quick. I don't think we want to get too into this really at all. Other than to say, I think we kind of got screwed on bye weeks. I feel mm-hmm. like if it's my understanding, unless I read it wrong on Twitter, it's my understanding that Clemson and Miami both play us after a bye. And Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, Stanford, but we better just beat Stanford. If we lose to Stanford, we got problems. But uh, Clemson and Miami, that's tough, man. Uh, does look like we play on Saturday every game except Boston College. Boston College on a Friday night. So that's awesome. And uh, I hope I can go that Miami game in particular, but I might get season. I might just, I might pony it up this year and get season tickets. I might have tickets Ooh. for you. <laughs> I might have tickets for you if you don't get season tickets. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I'll be at the games no matter what. The ones I can make for sure, which I don't live super close. So, you know, and I'm having a little one. And there's just times where my wife's working, I'm not, and I have to figure out what's going on with her. So, all that aside, I do it's want time to, to take her to her first game this year, dude. I might do it this year. She, I think she'll be old enough. Uh, that being said, uh, do you guys have any quick thoughts on the schedule? I, I, I shared mine. I thought we got kind of screwed on the buys, but I like that we're on Saturdays. I'm just mad that as of right now, I can only make it to two games. <laughs> yeah. Wait, when's the, your wedding? What what game? It's a bye week, baby. Oh, wow. You got luck. That kind of sucks for Discord, though. In our Discord, if somebody gets married during a big game, we win it. We win the game. We, we beat Notre Dame, and who else did we beat? Miami? Uh, maybe. I think it was Notre Dame and Miami. We had two, two different Discord weddings, and – during the game, and we won. So. Yeah, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna trick my wife into renewing our vows on the UK UFL game. Yeah, but your wife's a UK fan, so good luck with that. I know she probably won't want to benefit. 
You're at the train. That's right. You're at the train. Are you going to put her in a zone like I did? I was going to say, if you really want to trick her, just go zone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. I should have said it earlier, but feel free to like and subscribe to our channel if you like this content. We did kind of mix it up with the coaching list tonight. Wanted to do something new. I know everybody's getting sick and tired of the same old, same old basketball. My voice is starting to go out anyway because it's still not fully back. So apologies for the raspiness, but please like, please subscribe, provide any feedback, constructive criticism as well. If you feel like it's, it's warranted, we, we're all ears. So with that being said, you guys have any final words? Chris Beard's oh. up 30. <laughs> Chris Beard, yeah. Connor loves watching TV while we're on the pod. Um, I'm locked um, in, baby. I'm like Lamar, locked in. That's right. Um, now I'm I'm uh I'm pumped for the Ravens game. Go Lamar, and I'm looking forward uh, whether I'm on the episode or not next week's episode where we do a a, a deeper dive into the schedule. Um, I think that'll be a fun yeah. episode too. Cool, cool. All right. Well, that being said, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in to Tang Gang, see what he's up to. Uh, and you know, feel free to let me know where I'm wrong or where you disagree with my coaching list uh, on my Twitter. I'm Kyle Spire on Twitter, by the way. Uh that then or you can just leave it on the third banner pod Twitter. Let us know. Anyway, with that being said, guys, I'm gonna end it with a go cards. Go cards. Tang gang. <laughs>